We have been discussing the manifold grace of God. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. It's called polo periculos. And it means manifold. It's a variety of ways. Shades, degrees, layers. And we've been driving home the fact that there is layers to the grace of God. And this is new to some of you. And for the last two weeks, we've been discussing prevenient grace. Grace that comes before. Pre is in front of, and veni means to come. It means grace that comes before something. And we've been learning the last two or three weeks that some of you have been raised in a church, whether it be Assembly of God, Pentecostal, Baptist, whatever. You've been talked about one grace, and that grace is salvation. But I will tell you, that's a wonderful thing. But the grace of God goes above and beyond and behind that one. There's more to the grace of God than just getting saved. And so prevenient grace means this, that it was God's grace that was with you before you were even aware of it. Before you even knew that God was on the planet. And we, we, we talked about this. Prevenient grace is the grace of God that goes before our human awareness. And, and he watches over us and he waits over us until we make our commitment to Christ at our conversion. Prevenient grace is the grace that begins at our conception to our conversion. That's the grace of God. In the last two weeks, I've taken a long time. Not today. Today's short. Hallelujah. So the idea that we've been learning is that the manifold grace of God is that God's grace comes in in layers, shades, fashions, forms, multiple ways that we're not even aware of. And the first one we've been studying so for the next few weeks, we are going to look at a different view of the manifold grace of God. We'll get to justifying grace when the, our, the grace that saves us. We'll look at sanctifying grace, the grace that keeps us. We first looked at obstacles to grace. That's the grace that tries to keep us from enjoying a full life in God. And so that's how we begin. And so when I began there, you know, people kind of scratched their head and said, I didn't know there was different graces. Absolutely. One God, multiple graces. One God in the form of the Father and the Holy Spirit and he himself. So there's many facets to this. So this morning for the next few weeks that we really won't talk about what grace is, but we're going to tell you what grace does. And how grace can come to you, and grace can come to you in a variety of ways. And I think you'll be surprised by the next two or three weeks how God's grace has not only been in your life, but he will remain in your life until you get to the place where eternity awaits. So the best way that I can do that this morning is I need to tell you that... Um, We'll do this in a very short story. Two months ago, Gail and I, along with this church family, we celebrated here at this church 34 years. 34 years, long time. And during the past 34 years that we have witnessed firsthand the successes and the struggles of, uh, of believers on a daily basis. And as pastor, one of the most difficult things for me to do is to watch people of my flock struggle in uh, seasons of sorrow. 
They get stuck. And um, when these people get stuck, it's my job to reassure you that an invisible God not only loves you, but he cares for you even while you're hurting. And some of you are very acquainted with hurts, rejection, abandonment, betrayal, and the list goes on. And I watch you come in Sunday morning after Sunday morning knowing in full weight that you're hurting. And, uh, and my job for the last 34 years is to convince you that an invisible God not only loves you, but he cares for you. But unfortunately, in the last 34 years, that while people are experiencing some dark days, that uh, while they seem to be stuck in this situation, not only will they question God's intention, but uh, they'll question God's existence. And, uh, and they'll ask this question, where was God? Not that you would. But where was God in my painful past? Oh, I hear you, Reverend. But where was God when my marriage walked out the door? Where was this invisible God when my finances failed? Where was God when, when the very person that I love the most was taken from me? Where was God? Well, that's a deep subject, and because that I want to keep it short today, they scream out that God is nowhere. And hopefully before this manifold grace of series is over, that my prayer for you is that this invisible God will open up the eyes of your heart. And he will allow you to see that God's grace that has been at work in your life long before you were aware of it, and he'll continue his work until you get to your eternal home. So you may say, well, how is that possible? Because some of you right now may be hurting and going through some things. And you may be saying, where is God? Well, the quick answer is, he's yet upon the throne. God hadn't moved and God hadn't changed. So to help us this morning, I'm going to give you a short story. And I'm not really good at short stories, but I'm going to give you one. I used to cook at the daycare. I was the best cook daycare ever had, I'll tell you right now. But one afternoon, a gentle knock in the afternoon was on my office door, and, and before I could answer the door, the door opened slowly, and, and there stood my wife and, and my reluctant five-year-old son, Simon. We need to talk, she said in that tone. Papa, Simon has learned a new word at school today. And as she says, continued to scoot Simon into my office, she closed the door and left us alone. She opened the door back up and she said, again, we need to talk. Now, I want to clarify for some of you men this morning that there is a word in the English language that is spoken by your wives and future wives that I need to make clear to you today. There are three definitions for the word we. Number one, there is a me we. 
Brandon, you may want to move on up here. You need to hear this, son. There's a me-we. That's when your wife says, we need to mow the lawn and take out the trash right now. Gentlemen, she means you. There is a she-we. And a she-we is when your wife says, we need to take the kids to the mall and shop for some new school clothes. That is a she-we. It means without you. Because she does not need you tagging along, dragging your heels, cracking your arms and your knuckles and your neck, huffing and puffing every three minutes. So the she-we means without you. And there is a we-we. <clears throat> and a we-we means that when your wife suggests that we need to take a vacation and go to the Bahamas, that means without the kids. So that means you and her together. But anyway, back to my story. Gayla said we means me need to talk to Simon. So a few seconds had passed there, and the boy had never made eye contact with me. And I was looking at him. You know, I, gave him, I was giving him a stink eye. And uh, so I began my interrogation slowly. I said, uh, Sami, I call him Sami. Sami, did you learn a new word at school today? And he never looked up, and he nodded his head yes. And so I braced myself for the impact. Now, in my mind, I'm already going through a list. So I braced myself for the impact, and I asked him the question, really, that I wouldn't want to ask, but this was a moment for me and Simon to come clean. So I said, okay, son, what's the word? He never looks up. I said, let me just have it. Just spit it out. So about 20 seconds went by, and the boy never looked at me, and he never looked up, and then in a very low tone, scratchy voice, I heard him say something that I thought started with the letter P. I was in shock, and I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe what I just heard a five-year-old boy say, especially a preacher's kid. And I looked at him and I said, young man, look at me and I want you to say it again and I want you to say it a little louder, please. So because he's kin to his father and his father's kin to my wife, he took a deep breath, looked straight up, reared his head back and this is what he said at volume nine. Parallelogram! And I thought, now here's a kindergarten that's saying a five-syllable word. I was in the third grade before I quit eating chalk and crayons. <laughs> and then the boy took dead aim square in my eyes and said the unthinkable to me with pencil and paper in hand. He said, Papa, do you know how to spell it? And I thought, spell it? I'm not even sure what it is. <laughs> Much less spell it. And at that moment, that I realized that I was in a chess match with a five-year-old. <laughs> and it was my move. 
So I had to be careful with the answer that I'm going to give him. So I gave him one that any good God-fearing grandfather would want to give who wanted nothing more from to see his grandson excelled in life. So I thought about it, and with great caution, I responded with this. Son, do you know how to spell it? And his little eyes lit up like saucers, and he nodded his head with a big smile. And I said, well, that's all that matters. If you know how to spell it, Papa is good. This meeting is adjourned. We're done. Good talk, son. The mystery is solved. So immediately after I thought that conversation was over, I wanted it and I needed to change, change the subject pretty fast. So I turned the tables on him and I said, so what else have you learned in kindergarten? So he thought for a moment. He raised his eyebrows a time or two. And, um, and here what came out of his mouth. He said, Papa, do you know what color light is? And I thought to myself, who is this kid and what are they doing to him at school? I mean, when we were five years old and some of us up in the ninth grade, Brandon, we were still interested in recess and refreshments. But, and you know that show, Are You Smarter Than a Fifth Grader? Well, I'm stuck on the kindergarten level right now, and I'm losing. I'm trying to survive here. So the chess match continued, and it was my move again. So I thought for a moment, and I thought about light, and I thought for a moment, and I raised my eyebrows a time or two, and I said to him, son, do you know what color light is? And his little eyes perked up, and he grinned with a big smile, and he shook his head yes. And I said, well, son, that's all that matters. If you know what it is, that's all that matters. Papa's good, and, 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 I'm, and we're through. You know, it's, it's amazing this morning that, that as we kind of look back that where we've gone and what we've done. So I told him, I said, um, where does light come from, son? What color is light? And he said, it's many colors, Papa. And with his little fingers, he said, it's red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo, and violet. And my next statement was, are you sure? He said, yes. And he said, do you know why? And I, I said, I don't have a clue, son. I went ahead and raised the white flag. He said, you know why we can't see them, what it takes? And I said, I don't know. And he said, it takes water. It takes drops of water to bring out the colors of a rainbow. Checkmate. I'm done. So immediately that I opened the door, sent him back to his grandmother, and I banished him back to wherever he came from. And I'll be honest with you, after playing Jeopardy with, with a five-year-old, I was exhausted, but then it hit me. The Bible says God is light, but I can't see him. So 
So evidently, it's going to take something to come into my life that will refract the light that I can see God. And just as water is needed to refract the light to bring about the colors of the rainbow, so too that God allows certain things in our life to come along that it would refract as we look at him and we can see him in a different way that we've never been able to see him. And it dawned on me. The manifold grace of God will make us fully aware that God not, is not only present with us, but God is participating in our everyday life. The manifold grace of God is that time period where God allows us to feel and be reminded that he loves us. And it is said this morning that before that we're through with this series, that as we begin to unravel the layers of the grace of God, the ways of God, why he allows things to happen to you. Why he allows certain situations to happen to you. Because if these things have not came in your way, it never would have refracted who he was. And you would have never been able to know him as you know him today. Where was he when I was going through a drug rehab center? He was there. Where was he when I have to bury my loved one prematurely? He was there. Where was he when I had to go through a bitter divorce court? He was there. And these things that God allows to come our way, whether we like them or do not like them, but in order for, for us to begin to see a, an invisible God in the way that Christ saw his father, he's going to allow things to come our way that will refract the light. And before you know it, that we begin to understand. And as we begin to peel back the layers of the word grace, then we'll understand that he's more than enough. Because the truth of the matter is that what lies behind us and what lies ahead of us are tiny matters of what lies within us. So this morning, as we begin our journey next week, we're going to show you ways that God allows and brings things to our life that is so simple and, and, and we just, we don't think anything about it. But it is tools and, and it is instruments that God brings to us on a daily basis to help us refract the light of who he is. And I promise you, before we're through, you'll see God in a completely different way. And when you see God in a completely different way, you will see one another differently. It took a five-year-old prophet to remind me that something had to happen in order for me to see a rainbow in the sky. 
And I'm here to convince you this morning, as we begin for the next three weeks or two on this journey with you in the manifold grace of God, I'll show you ways and the process that God will bring things to your life to help you expose and reveal and refract that God has always been with you. Next Sunday morning, we're going to begin with forgiveness. Forgiveness. And you will see that forgiveness is going to do more than you forgiving someone that's hurt you. It's going to expose a color of God that you've never known before when you learn how to forgive. You'll lay down your swords and your spears of bitterness and resentment. The old word says that they'll take their spears and their swords and they'll turn them into plowshares and pruning hooks and they'll study war no more. The word of God was never intended for me to use it to divide and cut you apart. The word of God was designed that we may cultivate our hearts together and it begins through forgiving. So what does God look like? <laughs> you may say he's invisible. No, he's not. Well, I've never seen him. I understand. But I will tell you that rainbow is in the sky just as clear as it is. And just because you don't see it doesn't mean that the potential is not there. It just takes water to bring it to full view. So you this morning that when we began this talk this morning, you begin to say, where was God? Where was God? When I was going through that and experiencing this, where was God? He was completely surrounding you with provenient grace. And now then we're going to discuss, he's completely surrounding you with different layers that you'll see him in a greater way than you've ever known. He's here. He's here today. He's here. I didn't tell Gayla, but I went to get my car serviced in McKinney, Texas yesterday. I was just, I was sitting there and there weren't very many people in there at all. And I had a blue shirt on and a pair of blue shorts and I was sitting by myself minding my own business, believe that or not. And I was, I was getting some stuff ready for today and, and uh, it was a two hour wait. So I, I, you know, up here I talk a lot. When I'm by myself, I don't, I don't talk to nobody. I don't, I don't wanna talk to nobody. I barely like you, much less like strangers. And, and uh, so I saw the guy that I, I bought the car from and leased it from and I saw him there. I didn't talk to him. Of course, he wouldn't know me, you know. And so there was a gentleman. I seen him, he was a salesman, but I didn't know him. And he walked a couple, by me a few times and I nodded and, and uh, he turned around and come back after about 30 minutes and he sat down and he said, can I ask you something? I said, well, if you want to borrow any money, I'm fresh out, I got a wife and grandkids. He just died laughing. He said, are you a minister? And you know what I said? Maybe. <laughs> he did. 
real tall, nice looking. I said, maybe. And he said, you know, I gave my life to Christ about a year ago. And he said, I go to this certain church. And he said, you know what? Um, and I'll tell you, it's Tony Evans, what it was. And he said, you know, there was, I seen you in a corner. And he said, something just attracted me to you. And he said, I don't want you to buy a car for me. I just want to talk to you. And he said, I'm having a little situation with this. He said, can you help me? And I said, how much time you got? And he said, brother, I'm all ears. And I talked to him for about 15 minutes. And I will tell you, at that moment, something happened in the, in the, in the showroom of a Mercedes-Benz dealership. God opened up his eyes and opened up his heart. And tears run off his face. And he said, I'm going to go home as soon as I get off work. And I'm going to go apologize to my wife and my children. You just thought God was in these half an octagon walls. I know. But God was sitting in a showroom floor. God's sitting on the side of a curb. God is everywhere. And it just takes certain things for him to be refracted. God is with you. And you are the water drops that a hungry world just needs to know that God still cares about them. Father, in the next few weeks, that we just pray that we will be good students of your word. And we're going to begin the journey of things that, that you've given us principles to insert into our daily lives. And when we begin to make these daily practices, our routines, we're going to see you in, in ways that we've never saw you before. Jesus promised us this before he even began he said, blessed are the pure in heart, for you will see God. Father, with great honesty, some people this morning thought the only way that we could see God is in an anointed church service with great music and great singing, but sometimes it, it took a divorce court. It took a drug rehab center. It took the betrayal of someone we loved. It took hard things, and little did we realize it was those things that allowed us to see you now with a different set of eyes. Instead of being judging and judgmental against someone that's hurting, we've wore that set of glasses, and we understand what it's like to be alone, abandoned, and afraid. Help us to be water drops that will refract the light for someone that needs a little help along the way. Your word is so true. So wherever we go today and whatever we do, 
prepare our hearts for next Sunday. Prepare our hearts to apply the Word of God in Scripture as we begin to unfold the layers as, as we begin to see God. Wherever we go. Thank you for every father this morning. Thank you for every person in the body of Christ for those that are mad, for those that are angry, for those that are frustrated, we just pray for them. For those that are shaking their fist at you in disbelief and unbelief, we just pray for them. Would you please use us as good witnesses, soft music, easy strings to soothe their heart and to remind them that this invisible God still loves them and cares for them even while they're hurting. And we give you thanks in Christ's name. And all the people of God say amen. You know, there's been time in my life, communion service, come on, there's been time in my life when you walked in the door and I just saw God a little clearer. Just a note, just a phone call, just a text message. I saw God a little clearer. When I stumbled in the dark and I thought he was nowhere around and lo and behold, someone walks in the door and hugs my neck. I just saw him a little clearer. Simon was right. He is the prophet. It takes something in order to see the light of the true colors of his grace. Some of you may know him. Some of you may have seen his goodness. Some of you are, are participating in the blessings of God. But here's the good news this morning. His love for you is deeper. What is the depth of his love for you, Paul says? How can we measure his grace? It can't be measured. So as we go through our journey, I think you'll be more than happy to see the portrait of God's painting upon your life. Jesus sat down with his disciples and he took the bread and the cup and he said for 1500 years, you've been celebrating the ordinance of Passover. That dreadful night when the death angel Abaddon would come, he would steal the firstborn. But they took the unleavened bread but Jesus said, now then I am the bread of life that comes down from heaven. And if any man eat of me, he will never hunger again. And then he took the cup and he said, for 1500 years, you've been celebrating the cup, the lamb's blood. And that lamb's blood was taken and placed in the shape of a cross. And when the death angel come, it would pass over that household. Jesus said, I am the lamb of God now, which takes away the sins of the world and my Father will take my blood and in the shape of a cross. He will forgive your sins. Father, Holy Communion is one of the ways that we can see you in a different light. It's the body of Christ. It's the blood of Christ. 
and we see you differently as we take communion. So bless this cup and bless this bread. And for those, those that are hurting and for those that are alone and for those that feel afraid and abandoned, prove to them today that invisible God not only loves them, but he cares for them. In Christ's name, amen.